It's all about like, okay, am I actually doing a good job or not? Because if I'm not, I need to do better. And if I am, I can still do better. And that's always fun too. It's just like, okay, providing the best you can for your team. back to the Training Edge podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Newkirk. I think everyone would agree that right now we are all in a little bit of a period of flux. All athletes throughout the world are having to figure out what life without competitive events means for the time being. Personally, as a coach, it's been refreshing to chat with athletes of all types, as a majority of them actually found a way of finding new meaning in their sport. I have been able to step back in time to find why they started their sport to begin with. I think a big part of it's finding what it makes us feel fulfilled in our life. And for the time, you know, doing it with what we have to work with. And sometimes that might mean using creativity along the way. I do hope that these podcasts provide some information and help you get through this. So for today's podcast, I sit down with Ali Lake. I've been coaching Allie for a few years now, and not only is she a crazy talented athlete, she is also a huge inspiration to the younger generation and what you can do in the world of cycling. She has racked up quite a string of results over the years, both in US and in Europe, um, some of which are the overall win at Cascades, Chico, and Valley of the Sun, a stage win at Tour of Utah, top five at both Tour of Utah and Tour of Colorado, and that's just to name a few. I wanted to chat with her about the phases of an athlete's career because both her and I chose 2019 to retire from professional road racing. I think every single athlete out there goes through these phases regardless of sport. So it was great to hear Allie's story on how she handled each one of these phases. Allie also is now a coach at Fast Cat Coaching. So in honor of you podcast listeners, we created a coupon code for 25% off any training plan at fastcatcoaching.com. Just use the code training edge at checkout for 25% off. Finally, please take the time to subscribe and review and rate this podcast. I know that every single podcast tells you to do this, but it really does help us along the way. Also, please find us on the socials at training edge pod. Feel free to send me a message and let me know what you think. And if you have any topic ideas, um, that would be also great to hear. Without any further delay, here's my chat with Allie Lake. Hey, Allie. Thanks for chatting with me today. Hey, Isaiah. Um, thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to talk with you. All right. Um, so today, I wanted to chat with you to discuss something that I feel both of us have been processing over the last year or so, um, and that's the phases of an athlete's career. Um, so phases are often looked at as a negative thing, sort of like you're aging out of something or you know, you've either aged out of a category or you're becoming too old for something. Um, but I'm hoping to dive into each phase to help athletes process where they are and how it shouldn't be something that limits them, but instead, um, if they embrace where they're at, it's something they could use to their advantage. So this is to possibly help them enjoy the sport and even help them achieve more if they find how to, yeah, essentially use this. Um, both from an athlete and a coach, I've seen these in more or less three sections, um, for simplicity today, I'm going to kind of 
determine them as um, before, during, and after. Uh, the before I see as the pursuit. So the pursuit of what you're trying to achieve. So either the pursuit of being a professional or you know the pursuit of your goal. Um, the during, uh, which is a little bit more of a complicated one because it has kind of two sections to it, uh, which I believe includes the rise and the plateau. Mm -hmm. uh, then finally, the after. So the decline and then uh, essentially what could be the moving on or changing of those goals. Um, so for this podcast, I want to do a deep dive into each phase to discuss the natural progression of an athlete and then also how does an athlete continue to make the best of each of those phases. And we're, what I was hoping is that we could use you as a prime example for that because you've kind of just, uh, I wouldn't say completed that or we've kind of both hit the end of that final phase sure. yeah. um all right so let's start with the before okay um the before phase and let's add a little context so um why don't you walk me through a little bit of your pursuit of being a professional so when was that moment that you decided you wanted to be a professional athlete well i never really determined a time it was more like um i met my director while um, I was at school at Marion, and um, I literally emailed her, I don't know how many times, but it was a lot, and it was more like the squeaky wheel gets the grease type approach, so <laughs> nice. um, she finally said yes, because I was just so adamant about doing it, because I had the opportunity to talk to her, I took it and ran, and, and, and all of a sudden I was on this pro team, and I didn't know what that meant, but I just knew I was on it, and I was going to work hard. Um, and then with that, I remember going to my first training camp and I called my mom at the airport and I was crying. So I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know who these people are, but I'm going. And it was actually one of the best things I ever, I ever did because I just took that leap of faith and, 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 and ran with it and learned a lot. And, um, I think uh, that's probably how a lot of people get started if they didn't start as like a junior or I, I'm not sure. Yeah, just a junior, really. But it's just kind of this opportunity that presented itself. And if you if you really go after it, you, you can get it most of the time. So that's what I did. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. I mean, I think um, female cycling um, is a little bit different in the fact that it's almost like the, at a certain degree and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, the entryway into, uh, the, basically the lower level professional ranks is, um, not as big of a hurdle as I would say on the men's side. Sure. Um, but you know, getting to the top level is still a very large hurdle. Um, totally. so because of that, it kind of sounds like, you know, you got, uh, an open door and you took it and, so would you, would you say that's the moment that you said, you know, maybe I can do something with this? Like, did you know what you wanted to, how far you wanted to go? Or did you figure that out along the way? I figured that out along the way when I, um, I would go to races and I, I would get semi-decent results, but I was pumped with like a fourth or fifth place because like in collegiate, that was great. So that was great for pro for me. I'm not saying like at these big races, like Redlands, I'm talking like Valley of the Sun. I remember my first TT with my pro team. I, I got fifth place and I was like, mom, I got fifth. But nice. I think like every little step of learning pushed me towards, um, pursuing professional cycling. 
and as well as the setbacks because um, I learned a lot in throughout the whole process. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think early on the beauty of this, like before phase, you're learning so much that it's almost um, like a bombardment of information. Yeah. And I think that those that are able to process that really quickly tend to excel very quickly, which is why those that mature quickly tend to do well in the sport early. Um, yeah, I yeah. agree. And like, for me, I had like, so, you know, I raced at Marion for collegiate and race pro in the same year. So it's like, okay, like I could use collegiate racing as training to work on what I didn't do so well on in my pro races type situation. So I really had a good buffer to go back and forth on. And that was a huge blessing for me. Yeah, so. that's great. Yeah. That's a huge, and the people you had with you at Marion were just so knowledgeable that I imagine that was oh, a great yeah. platform to launch you on. Yes, um, for sure. Mini pro team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I guess compared to my journey, I had like the opposite, where the pursuit of getting there was really long. Yeah. And that was a pretty long journey um, in, the, in a good way. I think that we all have these different, um, yeah, periods where we have to spend in each one of these phases and my before was pretty long and I think that me in general it took me a long time to learn some things figure things out I was kind of a slow learner on that front um so when you were all right let's say you you know got on to so this was um 2020 was the first one correct yeah or I guess so back the then it, it was would 2016 have, right yeah um so that's when you got on that team you went to training camp called your mom um so when you first started going to races, did you feel like you were doing everything right the first time or did you feel like you were doing everything wrong or in between? I kind of felt in between. And honestly, I got to my first race and they're talking, we had our, we had our team meeting and they're talking about a GC rider. And I'm thinking, what is a GC rider? Like I had no <laughs> idea. So it's like I had to learn and I had to pay attention. And with that came uh, a lot more skill and a lot more knowledge, obviously. And I just grew from there. Nice. Yeah, it's a, I would say because that you had that door into being on a professional operation, you had a lot more to take on early on. Like you didn't have those entry level um, teams to kind of take you to stage race. You're automatically thrown into this circle where you're, you are talking about GC riders and protecting riders and possibly even like controlling a race at your very first race. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so outside of, you know, learning different terminology, what um, challenges do you face early on during this like key development phase? Really, it was um, priorities like, OK, like I have school, I have an internship, I have a job, I have training, I have professional professional racing. And it was like I had a lot on my plate and honestly I think that was the best thing for me because I had the best grades my senior year and I came out I was probably one of the fittest or not one of the fittest I was probably it was probably one of my times where I was the fittest but I was kind of um I was definitely not the smartest so yeah it was kind of like a I had a lot going on and I had to set my priorities and have boundaries and and go with that and it worked out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that's, it's not uncommon for me to see athletes um, that I started working with that have are already 
very strong and very fit and have achieved a excellent level of fitness, but it's how they are able to use it or when they have that fitness that can really make or break. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. So when, um, I guess stemming into kind of achieving that next phase or getting into the next phase where you feel like everything is starting to click, when did that happen and why did that happen? Um, when everything started to click was my second year. Um, I just took some time to reflect on my first year. Like, okay, I remember these things. I've learned a lot. I've gained a lot more strength. And then I moved out to the mountains and then I was like, whoa, I'm in like this cycling Mecca. I have this great opportunity to train hard, work on weaknesses. And, and that's when I took off. I had the freedom to just ride. I I didn't have any other job besides riding my bike. And that was great. And you were done with school at that point, right? Yeah, done with school. My yeah. priority was bike racing. Makes a big difference. Yeah. It's pretty huge. Totally. So like, so you're saying like during that time where things start to click, you're um, maybe adding a little bit more time to recovery. You're kind of like doing things right or you're starting to figure out what you need to be doing or what's adding up in a way. Yeah, totally. And I just had a lot more fun riding because I didn't have to think about anything else. So Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, I think that that period when everything starts to become routine or become second nature can be really powerful. Sure. Um, as long as it doesn't become static, it's something that it, once it becomes second nature, you can put energy elsewhere. You can put energy into, uh, I mean, even the simple stuff. Like, you have a routine dialed as far as, like, what you're bringing to races. You have a routine dialed as far as uh, what nutrition you need to have ready going into yeah. a ride or a big block or something like that. It makes it that every little bit adds up and then totally. you can apply it later on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it was easier. The more I got into it, the easier I got. So that's always something to look forward to. Okay. Yeah, I agree. So how about on the result side? Do you feel like there was a moment where you were like, all right, I am figuring this out. I've getting I'm getting a string of results this is kind of coming together um did you have a moment where you realized that yeah so in 2015 I had a lot of good results um so early in my career which is a blessing and also kind of like uh not a curse I don't I don't think that way but like I maybe not the best thing for me because it's like, whoa, I have all these results early, early, early. So I have this expectation for the later years. Like I'm, I was there. Why am I not hitting these? But during the 2015 season, I was really time trialing well, or I was time trialing really well, which is, is part of the trick to doing well on the GC and then just being a pretty averaged, upper average all around riders. If you can get time on your time trial, um, like time on the GC against people, you, you might you might stand a chance at top three uh, overall GC, and I had a few of those at some big races against some of the, some of the best riders we had in America. So yeah, I would say I learned I really learned time trialing, and then I learned like okay, like do not lose time, and you will you will succeed. So that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's. So it kind of sounds like, or at least like from knowing your career, um, you had a period of time where you did hit like a huge stride because you hit, uh, what was it, like a year where you had several good, like string of results stateside, right? Yes. And that was all within one season, correct? Or was it spaced? 
Uh, that's correct. 2015 was the biggest season. Okay. And then um, 20, when did you go to Europe then? Well, you mean with the national team or with uh, Cervelo? I guess um, both. Let's go with both. Well, okay, so actually, right when I started in 2014 through 2016 is when I would go back and forth to Europe and crashed a lot, got hurt a lot. <laughs> I, I won a few stages, and then, like, uh, in, when I went in 2017 with Cervelo Bigla, I was a domestique role, but I, I, I believe I did well. I raced really hard and trained really hard, and I, I think my best result was fifth at the Energy Watt Tour that, nice. that season. But, yeah, I had, so in 2015, I had a lot of results, and then results here and there throughout the rest of it, so. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a great example of, like it's possible, and this is weird, but it's possible to go through these phases. Like you, you're in the before, and you go into the during, and you're kind of like hitting your rise. You're kind of hitting your stride. You found these results, then you actually go to another level. So you went to Europe, or you race World Tour, and then you have to step backwards. Like you have to go back into a you're learning again, and you're um, pursuing that next level again, even though you're already a professional, you're already even at the top level of the sport, just to, then you're needing to pursue results at that level. And then you might hit the stride again, which is kind of sounds like you did when you got to uh, having results within that environment. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult to think about it that way, but like it's possible to go in and out of these and come back and change, um, which is super powerful because it means that like you're not just stuck with, all right, well, I've already had my results and I'm, now I'm, you know, going backwards and I have the ability to change things up, view things differently, and then move forward. Um, yeah, that's cool. Um, so, all right. And I, I know that, like, results are kind of relative to the individual. Um, so that, yeah, it can't apply to anything. It could be, like, the Cat 5 rider trying to move up to a Cat 4. Um, but, yeah, that was... The so, I guess during your when you were hitting your stride and your results did happen, did you um, just use as like a confidence builder or did you uh, change your training? Like, how did you process that time? What were you? How were you feeding off of that happening? Well, honestly, I just felt kind of like um, this sounds crazy, clueless. Hmm. <laughs> I'd just show up to the race and go. And I didn't really change anything, so I was already training hard. I was eating well. I, I, um, I did the eat, sleep, live cycling life, and that was a that was a huge benefit. Was the results coming from that? And so I just kept doing what I normally did. Um, but the one thing that motivated me the most was um, just feeling stronger and lasting longer on the bike. Yeah. So that's something I really looked for in training and that really motivated me because I knew I would have harder harder rides coming up, harder races coming up and I think I really thrived off that thought of I can do this. So nice. Confidence. Yeah. And that yeah. was that was early, right? Like that was um uh, so you said I think we were talking about two thousand fifteen. So that was still your second year? Yes. Correct. Okay. And even into twenty sixteen. Okay. So because I think that um, I'm curious what you think of this, but basically how, because at that point you still have a lot of energy, 
and a lot of this is new. Um, do you feel like that played into your drive? Yeah, I'd say so because I didn't have anything to lose. Like, yeah. I might as well just go for it, you know, so. And you didn't have... I know I'm strong. I know I have results, so. Yeah. And I'm assuming you didn't have a ton of pressure at that time either. On and off, I did. Hmm. Okay. In what way? Um, well, it was more so like, okay, like if, this, if the time trial is like the third stage and then I move my way up somehow to like maybe top four, top three, it's like, okay, now the pressure's on to, to stay where I'm at or move up more. And so it just, and at that point it just turns into, okay, I have to be smart. I can't just go ride. I can't just be at the front. I have to save energy. I have to hide and I have to be wise about my, the moves I'm in or moves I make. So, hmm. and a lot but of it was, um, pressure from myself. Yeah, of course. So it was almost like the pressure, if things happen to work out, then there would be pressure. But it, when you toe the line, there isn't necessarily pressure unless it's like a, things have already occurred in the right way. Would you say that's right? Yeah. Okay. Because I think like what I've noticed is that when athletes toe a line and they have a lot of pressure on their shoulders, that can change how they race or change how they, what their sensations or feelings were um, going into the race or the race itself. And that yeah. makes a big difference. For sure. You can, you can see people who have that kind of pressure. Their, their posture is a lot different than those who don't. So yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah, and you can also see the people that just thrive on that. Yeah. Which I've always been so amazed by. But there are some athletes that love it, and that's that pushes them to another level is that pressure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't love that kind of pressure. I, I just <laughs> yeah. like mediocre pressure. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I hear you. There are some athletes who need to be told some bad things to get them going. So <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think the good directors know. They yeah, can see for sure. who needs to be yelled at and who you just need to not talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm yeah. the not talk to type. So. Yep, same. Yeah. Or encouragement. I'm an yeah. encouragement type or good too. <laughs> yeah. Just don't say pedal fast. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. I know. Go harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, you know, during, I would say, do you think that this time period is the like what all cyclists are thriving to achieve. So that's the, the deering and the rise section of the phases. So essentially they're hitting their stride. They're finding all, all the results. These are like the glory days, quote unquote, of, um, most, yeah. Professional athletes. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say so. It's like the easy time to be an athlete, I think. Um, but that segues into a good um, change. So then from there, it's like the the plateau side of the deering. So sure. the dreaded period that we all are, every athlete I've ever talked to or coached or, or seen kind of dreads that period of time where there's no um, quote unquote improvements made. And within cycling in particular, it's you know marked by power. It's been marked by data. Sure. Um, when those PRs aren't showing up on their screen anymore. Yeah. Um, did you, is this something that you were fearful of when you were racing professionally? I was never fearful of it. Um, hmm. I guess I never even really thought about it because. Nice, good. I just think like, I know just, I just know that you can't be good forever. 
you can be yeah. strong for a long time, but you can't be good. You can't be great forever. So that was never a fear. But really, yeah, the the whole like plateau, like man, you go a season without results, and maybe your best result is thirtieth. But then it's kind of time to think about like, okay, what can I do? That's not necessarily a ranking result, um, more so of a team member result, a leader result. Like, how can I be the best teammate I can be during this time, especially when I know I'm pretty flat here? Yeah. Um, and that's something I really had to dive in deep to the last two years, I'd say, which I still had like maybe one result. And that's part of the whole plateau. You, you can go a year or two or several years without a result or maybe like one here and there but it's like okay like what can I provide and that's I have a lot of wisdom I have experience um and I like dealing like dealing with directors dealing with sponsors like that's something you can help a teammate or a friend navigate when you are feeling this plateau effect so yeah I think so like when I started working with you, so when I started coaching you, that was something I always respected that you had this ability to um, know that the results just don't come fist over fist. Like that is something that you pursue yeah. and you target, but that doesn't make every race you do a waste. Sure. Uh, it's not just something that you just get through. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, most athletes, especially racers, um, we look at this plateau as this natural, obvious sign, this, mm -hmm. you know, I'm waiting for my power numbers to stop and the results to end so that I can have this sign from the world that I it's you know, time to move on maybe, or stop this sport. Sure. Um, but with many sports and, um, but what makes cycling so powerful and amazing is that it, it's complicated and there are different ways, as you mentioned, to execute, being an athlete and to what role you might have. And it's hard not to go into a race with a, you know, specific result in mind or wanting to win, but that's, um, to a certain extent, like it's what it means to get to that level in the sport sometimes. Yeah. And, um, you know, for those that are just, it also still can be enjoyment too. Like it, it might be that, you know, if you show up and you're, um, a recreational rider and you show up to, a you know grand fonda that you're doing and and things maybe didn't go the way you wanted to, them to in the morning of or you didn't get any sleep and you don't feel that great yeah like you can still have a really awesome day it just takes that mind shift and the ability to kind of process that period and that phase in a different manner totally um, i mean i've i've <laughs> i've had to put myself in that mindset when i've been dropped and like dropped so hard it's not even funny and i'm 20 minutes back at tour of California with 13 other girls. And I'm just like, well, at least it's pretty outside. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's like, awesome. now we're just kind of riding at 18 miles an hour on this awesome course with no cars. Like this is cool. <laughs> Even <laughs> yeah. though it, it stinks, but it's still cool. You know, it's just all about perspective. And you can enjoy the, yeah. Enjoy the experience a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. I found that, when you are the rider that is pursuing the result or if you are the rider that everyone's kind of working for that you kind of, I don't know about you, but I don't even, I barely remember those stages that I was being worked for. I remember it just going by in a blur because I was so focused and I felt yeah. like I always had to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard, um, 
place to be. Uh, but you know, sometimes that's a nice place to be sure. if you approach it the right way. Yeah. Um, so in cycling, we'll just mm -hmm. use cycling as an example. Um, if you are, this is kind of like the leader, the switching of the leader to the support role. Um, so, you know, on the during, like in the during phase, when you're on the rise, you're off most times, ideally you'll find yourself as the leader, but mm -hmm. on a little bit of the plateau, you might be finding yourself more in the support role. So within cycling and for you, for example, what were like some of the more common, uh, jobs or outlets that you found within being in the support role? What are some of the examples? Going back to get bottles, which is always scary because you're like, they better yeah, not attack bands. while I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> going yeah. back or I, you typically you try to be smart about that. When more, when more people are going back, you go back. But right. um, I found myself a lot of times on the radio. Um, like if I had a teammate that was solo, I, I recall one time I was like, wow, this is where I can really help when uh, the circuit stage at Redlands where my teammate Jasmine was off the front by herself and we had like four or five laps to go and I was on the radio. Basically, it felt like the whole time just being like, okay, we're speeding up, we're slowing down, you better go, go, go. We are about to catch you. And it's one of those things where when you just communicate well, um, it's very beneficial to the team. So communication on the radio was big. Getting bottles, um, support role, other roles, um, just talking teammates through sections of the course or else race situations where like hey we are working for this rider and all of a sudden she's crashing out and now the role has shifted and just making changes on the go like that comes with the, that comes with experience and that's something I was able to provide I think to the best of my ability and um when when necessary yeah yeah again cycling is such a cool uh sport in contrast to more solo sports because you do stay busy. Every person does have a role, even yeah. if you aren't, you know, the person that's really targeting the race result. Like you might have, all right, from kilometer, you know, 100 to 150, you have to ride the front because it's a key section. Yeah. Um, you might be charged with uh, taking somebody into the final climb or taking somebody into the sprint. It could be all sorts of things like mm -hmm. being, being captain and communicating and getting into the caravan. And yeah, I always found the, the caravan kind of fun because it was a distraction and like something like a cool little roller coaster to sure. weave through. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully safely. Cause sometimes yeah, it's a bit hopefully. sketchy, but woo, it is fun yeah. and you get a free draft. So <laughs> yeah. And you get slingshot, like the yeah. sensation of being flung is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, all right. When you were going into this, I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, the mental processing of figuring that out, like knowing that, Hey, you know, I, I was kind of the supported rider for a little while, but you know, during this time, it's probably best for me not to be, how did you come to the conclusion that that was okay? And what were the, did you have any issues with processing that? Or was that difficult at any time? I didn't think it was difficult because I accepted the reality that people were just stronger than me. Hmm. Okay. And I, that didn't, that doesn't mean I thought I was bad because I never thought I was bad. Sometimes I had my doubts, but I was like, no, like I'm actually super strong. I'm really strong, but people are going to be better than you eventually. Not always, but sometimes. And, and what can I do to help myself stay positive is okay. Work hard while you're at it, regardless if you're the 
the GC rider or you're the support role. Just do your best. And, and that just, you know, that kept my head on straight. Sometimes, like I said, I had a hard time, like, I'm not even doing well as a support role. But at the end of the day, it's, it's all about, like, okay, am I actually doing a good job or not? Because if I'm not, I need to do better. And if I am, I can still do better. And that's always fun, too. It's just like, okay, providing the best you can for your team. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's such a healthy perspective of looking at it. I've seen a lot of athletes that really struggle during this period because it's essentially letting go a little bit of their own ambitions. And they think within doing that, that they're losing all pursuit of betterment for themselves. Sure. And that's all sacrificed. But, you know, like you, you could still be your best self and push yourself. Um, yeah. You know, some of the best workouts I've ever gotten and best fitness bumps I've ever seen athletes receive is when they're working for others in a stage um, or they're, you know, like in a breakaway to help their team out. Like that's yeah. all, yeah, it goes a long way. It's, it sure does. And that's, that's what's fun is like, like you just said, you see some of the highest numbers. It's like, okay, like, see, I am strong, even yeah, though my result yeah. is 80th. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, the numbers are fun to watch, so. That's yeah. a huge encourage. That's a big encouragement for me too. So, right, cool. Okay, so um, one of the things I wanted to chat about within the plateau section was um, the concept of being able to swing that. So, all right, you get to the point where you're feeling yourself kind of plateauing. Maybe you're feeling kind of blah. Your race results haven't been that great. Have you had a period of time in your life where you've kind of stepped back and said, all right, what I'm doing is not working. I'm going to change things up, try something different. And then you've seen um, an outcome or a change because of that reset. Totally. When I started working with you, I told you I wanted to be more jumpy, sprinty-like because I'm pretty steady state, time trialist. That's within me, but... Um, yeah, I just needed a change, change in training, change in goals, um, just like physically, like, or athletically, I guess, is yeah. like, like I said, to be more sprinter-like, because I, I knew I was strong enough to be in the breakaways, I just couldn't get to the breakaways, because they were already going too fast, and I didn't have the pop, so there were, there were things that I was like, okay, what can I change about my riding to make it more fun to to make me more encouraged to keep racing. And so so with that, um, the new training regiment that you had me doing, and then more resting. <laughs> nice, yeah. I, I uh, at first hated to admit resting, like complete days off the bike were good, but yeah. they are good. Yeah, yes, I got you to admit that. Yes, That's awesome. it's on. I, it's, that took so long. <laughs> it's uh, recorded, it's real, and uh, and I... Uh, and and that's one thing I really reflect on is now, as a retired road cyclist, um, I should have taken my rest days more seriously. So that's just a little blurb for people to hear. So No, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like in a way, a refresh can be really powerful. Mm-hmm. Just in the sense that like just within that early, like early on, we're talking about motivation and when you toe the line and you're eager because it's new Mm -hmm. and something and it's exciting again everyone inevitably you know when you spend uh 20 to 30 hours a week training and doing the same stuff or maybe you've done 
Redlands seven times. Like it's it's not exciting anymore. You sure. know generally what might happen. Um, every now and then you get surprised, but for the most part, it's it's pretty steady. Yeah. So if you change things up, and that could be something simple, like you change up your diet, you change up how you're approaching training, you change up like um, maybe yeah, as you mentioned, like your coach or um, training protocol. It could be you're riding trails more often, or you're riding gravel, or you're mm-hmm. doing something different. Um, that can go such a long way. And usually what I try and do with athletes when they get to the point that they're like feeling a little, yeah, I guess I can do this, but I've done it before. I usually try and encourage them. Well, why don't we find something that's new and we try and find, um, something that will excite you. Even if it's just like you're in a new region or something like that. Um, yeah, that goes a long way. And it's, it's cool because you see athletes that, kind of had a blah year or, or were looking kind of stale or even if they're next to you in the peloton you're like man you don't even want to be here do you <laughs> um and then the next year they come out and maybe they're with a different program they're on a different team um they're at a, they're doing different races and they're you know stoked like they're super high on life um, yeah. and it's it, it can elongate a career it can redevelop an athlete it's pretty pretty cool to watch it's cool to watch with you so. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun changing it up. So thank cool. you. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, so, all right, moving on. Um, okay, so we're going to jump into the after. So this is a tough one, mm-hmm. um, as we both kind of have had to juggle this over the last more or less year or so. Um, and at some point or another, I think that, you know, the plateau has happened. It's there. Um, and that could be, uh, something that, um, I think some riders have the benefit of choosing when that is and others are kind of forced upon. Yeah. Um, so like either the team folds or a virus strikes and there's zero, there's actually zero races going on Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, I think for both of us, we had the ability to choose to be done. Yeah. Um, which was really powerful. Um, and I guess like walk me through, uh, your mindset within that. Like we had some pretty good talks about this, but, um, let's recap on that. So when you were going through that period and figuring out maybe you're ready to move on from this, what Mm -hmm. was that like? What were your thought processes and stuff? Well, really I, the last two years I was like, is this it? Is it time? Like I found myself wanting the race to be done before it was over or before it even started. Yeah, so I wanted the race to be... I was, like, going up to the start line. I'm like, how long do you think this is going to take? <laughs> Which is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, I was excited. I was excited about the thought of, okay, um, maybe I won't race, and maybe uh, I'll do something different. But I, I just got married, too, and I, and I want to be home with my husband, and I want to start that whole... Situa- that whole process, you know, it's a new priority. So I had a lot to look forward to. It was really just biting the bullet and being like, okay, this is it. And really, when I when I really decided last year was when I was like, okay, I am just not having fun. And, and honestly, I want someone to have my spot in this opportunity um, who actually wants to do this. And I don't want to do this as much as I used to. Um, I love riding my bike. I love training. I love different kinds of races, which, um, like 
I would I dabbled a little bit in the gravel and I thought it was so much fun and I found myself laughing throughout the rides and so I was just kind of like you know like I think this is really time and honestly I couldn't have picked a better year to retire <laughs> like it is such yep. a blessing even yep. though this time is very very sad for a lot of people and and that's not to joke about by any right. means but yeah I totally I I think um I just really prayed about the whole situation and I that it just like I like the opportunity presented itself in the beginning it presented itself at the end for me so that was huge and I just listened and said okay that's it and ended on a great race in Colorado um we won a lot of money we won all the stages <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was legit and that w that made me smile f for the last time in my road career so that was great <laughs> that's awesome yeah it was fun it was hard <laughs> yeah but it was yeah, fun Colorado classic yeah um so the yeah I remember the first time you did your first gravel race and you were like beyond stoked like you couldn't you know, yeah. your write-up was great um it was a new level of energy yeah um, so when you for most athletes I think the really hard part is you've been doing this sport for so long and it's yeah. really hard not to look at especially at, when you're at the professional ranks it's been your job yeah uh, stepping away from that is really difficult. I mean, it's the same thing as quitting any other job. Um, you're used to it at that point. You're sure. almost like, quote unquote, comfortable doing it. You know what to expect. And within cycling, at least one of the things that I've really been processing is uh, the concept of like, well, I don't have my, tomorrow's not planned for me or like my next race is not planned for me. I get to choose that. Um, yeah. So when you came to that decision, did you, what, what, what did you feel? Did you feel like a sense of freedom from that? Yeah. Um, I felt a lot of freedom in choosing my own race schedule. Um, even telling you like, Hey, I cannot ride this day. I cannot ride this weekend. It was felt good to be like, hey, I can ride these days and not these days. And it not really, um, affect me and affect my mindset of just general life things. Because previously I would ride before I did anything because if I did anything before riding, I wasn't focused in the moment, like with family and friends, and I was probably pretty grouchy. And now it's like, okay, I can get to it. I will get to it. It's not necessarily going to kill me if I don't get to it, but I'll keep riding, keep training. So like it. Yeah. So again, like still pushing yourself to be the best. Yeah. You can be, um, but then not being defined by. Um, maybe something else that somebody sure. else created. Sure. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I definitely, there were a few years where cycling was the identity, and then I just had a reality check um, with my faith, and I was like, listen, pump the brakes here. Live your life. The cycling is a blessing. Don't ruin it. So, yeah. And I've ended up having a great career, even when I was in a plateau um yeah, it's great. Met a lot of awesome people, travel the world, have a lot of lifelong friends from it. Wasn't was not a bad job. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Not at all. There's more to come, so Yeah. And it, and it sounds like I think that you've done a phenomenal job taking all of these different phases and making the positive out of all of them, even though some of them aren't necessarily the most easy. Sure. Um my guess is we're, you know, uh not diving into the negatives within uh coming to the conclusion that your career might be over but 
that being aside, like you have come out the other end saying like, I am going to, uh, redefine. So like we, we had the inevitable chat because I knew that you were going to be done where it was essentially, do you still want to work with me as your coach? Yeah. Because you had the ability to say, well, I want to like write off that chapter, but you ended up coming to me and say, well, no, I, I really want to keep pursuing being the best I can be. And I do have these things that I want to do. Yeah. And regardless of being uh, this like defined roadie or not, I, I want to continue pursuing that and be passionate towards it. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I love cycling at any level. So I, w I want to be good. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be like rigid again, but I definitely want to be good. <laughs> yeah. And I'm grateful that you are holding me accountable. <laughs> <laughs> That's the easy part. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, well, nice. So the, basically you're, it sounds like you've become pretty comfortable then within yeah. this new phase of uh, life and how, what's thrown at you. Do you, um, do you miss the other phases? Do you miss like the, the results or do you miss the, the rise or the excitement or, or do you feel like that you're now just getting that again now? Um, what I miss the most is just my friends and my hosts that I've had. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tried to, uh, I'm such a extrovert and talk a lot and I love relationships. So that's what I really miss the most. I'm, I'm proud of my results. I don't necessarily miss any of that. I hmm. feel like I, had a great shot, a lot of good shots. I had, I mean, I won, I raced in the world championships, I crashed. I mean, I learned everything you could learn, really. And now, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily miss all that. I just miss my friends um, and the people I got to know. But the the timing was right, and I think, or I believe I made the right decision. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, but so now that you've you've done a couple of gravel events, you did a couple last year. Yeah. Um, when you went into them, I think I know the answer, but did you feel that it was kind of like brand new again and that you were learning again and that you, um, yeah, where everything was fresh? Yeah, everything felt super fresh, a lot more fun. Um, kind of like that, like, not I'm scared, but this is kind of scary because I don't know what to expect and that's fun, but yeah. kind of puts you on edge a little bit, you know? And I always try to beat my husband, but he doesn't <laughs> but, let me. <laughs> yeah. It happens sometimes. It happens uh, sometimes. I'll get him in a sprint city line, uh, sprint line for like the city limits, but that's about it. It counts. <laughs> it's, it's more important than yeah. the race results. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think like what I was getting at there is you were, it was so cool to watch you go into these gravel events. And I think what's really empowering within American cycling right now um, is that they're like, it's almost like there's new types of racing everywhere and people mm -hmm. are really starting to push the fold rather than just say, all right, well, in America we do crit racing. Yeah. We don't really do stage racing because our road systems and culture doesn't support it. It costs mm -hmm. too much money. So if you're a crit racer, you succeed. If you don't, you don't. Right. Um, but with this new adventure kind of platform-ish thing with gravel and, and uh, that stemming over to the you know endurance mountain bike world and other events like that it's been really cool to watch you take that on because it's it's new and it is exciting so it almost does take you back to the like beginning phase where you're um learning and yeah. you're pursuing um and you're pursuing knowledge of that event again and then you're pursuing knowledge of results within that category again totally um yeah like we 
like we have a mutual friend that switched recently from, or within the last couple of years, switched from um, being a pro roadie over to trying to pursue pro mountain biking. Mm -hmm. And I had a chat with him early on where he was like, just so excited to not know what was going to happen in the next race. Um, And that's like, yeah, I think that's super empowering and something that I think people need to not be scared of. It's hard not to be though, because it's hard to go be this really uh, competent, you know, pretty experienced person and then go into a different platform and know nothing. Yeah, for sure. This is kind of just like a side note in relation to that. I always talk about how I want to go back to school because I love to learn. And like, I just feel like this is, this is semi-tangent, but relatable. It's like, I love learning about what I don't know, you know, so school applies to that. I don't, blah, 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 whatever. That's kind of a side note. This is like your version of that. That's (laughs) great. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's awesome. That's, it's, it's good to be out of your comfort zone and, but if you approach it with an open eyes, then it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's for sure. Yeah. But it's, it is funny being at these, uh, gravel events or mountain bike events and, um, have people look at you expecting you to know what you're doing. And it's like, God, no, um, um this is my first rodeo. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You're like, uh, I don't know you, you don't know me, or maybe you yeah. know a little bit about me, but you don't know what to expect. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what to expect. That's for sure. So it's fun not knowing what to expect. A lot of road cycling is robotic, you know, kind yeah. of it plays out the same, like we said, and you do this Redland seven times, you kind of know what's going to happen. It's like, this is all new and fresh and fun. So cool. Yeah. Well, it's been cool to watch you to kind of go full circle basically and go through all these phases and, and find like that excitement again. That's been yeah. really cool to see. Thanks. Um, cool. Allie, thank you. Um, this has been great. I think like this was a good way to just like dive into what the different phases are. And I think these are pretty normal. Like we see these in most athletes cross sports. Um, and then hopefully, you know, people got some good insight into this, basically like mix it up, try new things. Don't be, don't feel like you're defined by where you're at within these cycles or like, Oh, well I'm, I'm here. I'm I'm not getting results anymore. I'm just kind of riding the wave, like mix it up, do something different. Try like pursue, you never know. It yeah. might might change things. And so. and don't be afraid to ask questions, really. And especially yeah. if you're listening and have questions, ask. Um, just ask. We you between you and I, we have a lot of knowledge. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A lot of we've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> totally, and that's where you learn yeah. a lot. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. All right, Allie. Thank well, cool. you. Thanks, Isaiah.